0: Watch.
1: This is a monthly podcast to update you on the volcanic activity of the weeks. I am one of your hosts, Alessandro Muzut.
0: And I'm your other host, Corinne Jorgensen. We're PhD students at the University of
1: Geneva. We study volcanoes and are here to give you all the hot volcano news. Okay, so first we have the focus of the month, which we have a super cool interview for you guys, again
0: from AGU. And then the volcano news from the month.
1: Let's get to it!
2: Hi everyone, we're at AGU and we're here with Alberto Ardit. can you just tell us just a little bit about yourself?
3: Hi guys, I'm a postdoc at the University of Canterbury, i originally from Chile and I'm a geophysicist and now working in volcano eruption forecasting.
2: Yeah, so you just had a talk that we both thought was amazing, so cool, <laughs> so interesting, so can you Thanks. tell us about, about it? You're doing some volcano forecasting, where, what methods?
3: Yeah, basically what we do is we train machine learning algorithm like neural networks or random forests to to understand what happened statistically in the seismic data before multiple eruptions and then we use those, uh, those statistical patterns that we learned from previous eruption and search for them in data that is coming in real time, mm-hmm. to compare it and ask uh, to the algorithm how closely they are related and if we should be worried. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, okay, you see seismic data. What kind of seismic data are you looking at, like volcanic tectonic earthquakes or uplift?
3: Yeah, we pretty much, we we use like the, just the raw seismic signal, like because we, we try not to focus on particular phenomenon, but just all of the data and do some statistical tests to it. And see what we can infer from it. So yeah, we don't work specifically with certain type of seismicity, just like regular tremor, like and noise, and okay. yeah, it's cool. kind of a data-driven approach. So no making assumptions, I guess, for yeah. what you are looking, and let you know the data speak for itself.
2: Cool, and very yeah. cool. And uh, what system are you working on mostly?
3: So uh, I have been. Uh, working in the past a lot with Fakari volcano which is an island in the north uh, in front of the north island of New Zealand. It's it's a very active volcano, it has exploded around five times in the last 10 years and the last one was in 2019 and it was really tragic because 22 people died and that's pretty much what motivated all of our work. So we said in this era, in this this particular volcano, we have five eruptions in the last 10 years uh, all of them were recorders, so it was kind of a perfect place just to, you know, train a machine learning with four options and then try to to forecast in another one and do some cross-validation stuff. And yeah, that's why we are pretty much focused on FACARI, but now we are broadening our to much more volcanoes.
2: Yeah. Okay, cool. So it, it works? You're finding like a good success rate with it?
3: Yes. So for example, in Fakari we were able, using this cross-validation stuff, we were able to forecast, like in a pseudo-prospective way, of course, like simulating the mm. real conditions in the past. From the five eruptions, we were able to forecast four. Okay. One, we missed just one on the 2016, which is, you know, is a good accuracy, and it also shows that these kind of methods are not also, you know, infallible. Okay. Like,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then, I guess with that. What, what would you want to do to improve your your method? Yeah. Would, you, would you look at other similar systems or look at different signals? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of stuff would you want
3: to? Yeah, exactly what I'm that's the, uh, both of them are things that I'm looking now. Yeah, specifically the, the most important one is tr- trying to generalize this forecasting using more volcanoes. You know, in volcanoes, there is a uh, you have a kind of two assumptions. One people think that volcano has kind of personality and they are unique. Some other people think that volcano have analog, so you can share information between them. So one of the topics that I'm researching now is trying to test that concept of analog. So I'm I'm working with a pool now of around like 18 volcanoes around the world. Yeah, uh, Three volcanoes in New Zealand, five in Alaska, uh, two in Iceland, one in Italy, Central America, South America around 18th and we have around like 40 eruptions to test okay. and what I'm doing now is trying to develop a, a forecasting that train on multiple systems so you can then forecast in some other system in kind of in a general way so you train a machine learning with data from multiple volcanoes Okay. and that opens really great possibilities because you know, uh, we of course selected Fakari in the first place because you have five eruptions recorded. Yeah. But that's pretty exceptional, right? Because you have a, uh, most of volcanoes erupt every once in the years, every yeah. once in a hundred years, every once in a thousand years. So yeah, most volcanoes doesn't have, you don't have the amount of data to train a machine learning like tailor it for that particular system. Yeah. So, but if you develop a generalized forecaster, you might be able to deploy it in a system that do not have information to train. And yeah, a, and, and if it works, it will bring cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, great amazing. stuff. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm pointing. Yeah.
2: Wow, this is really cool research. I think it's really, <laughs> really awesome. Okay, so then I have two more questions. The first one is a question we ask to everyone we interview. It's a bit silly, but I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. If you were to go into the field and you like discover a volcano, what would you name it?
3: Volcano Alberto. (laughs) Nice, nice, very good. No, I don't know. Probably, I don't know, Vulcan Tiago, because my son is Tiago and he's 10 months old and he's my first son. So, So, yeah, uh, kind of in love with him.
2: that's adorable. Super challenging that.
3: experience. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure,
2: I'm sure. Nice. Haven't slept
3: in 10 months, but yeah. It's, <laughs> but it's fine. like him. Yeah.
2: And then I guess my last question is, do you have anything you want to plug? Where can people find your
3: research? Uh, yeah, well, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Albert Ardid. Uh, you can post it later, I guess. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll tell you. And I'm also on LinkedIn, but I usually, you know, the fun stuff and not the (laughs) diplomatic, (laughs) boring stuff in LinkedIn, I put on Twitter. Definitely more fun. Yeah, (laughs) cool. So that's a place to follow me. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much for for being interviewed. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you 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 very much much for
3: it. Okay, thanks to you guys, Corinne and Alessandro. Thanks.
2: Bye.
0: So this month in Kamchatka, Bezi, in Yemi, had a little lava flow at the beginning of the month from the growing lava dome. At Edbeko, there's been some moderate activity throughout the month with a few higher plumes that went up to four kilometers above sea level. Shivaluch was also busy. There was a still an active growing dome within a dome, as seen by the thermal anomaly, and some fumarolic activity. And I hope you know, at Klyuchevskoy, Kamchatka, Russia, they also started new activity on June 22nd, mainly consisting of minor strombolian eruptions as reported by KVERT. The aviation color code for Klyuchevskoy is at yellow on a scale of 4.
1: In North America, the Alaskan volcanoes have been puttering along as per usual with a small lava fusive in the summit crater of Grain Sitkin. Some minor arrests at semi and at uh, Yamna, Uh, There was some increased seismicity at the beginning of the month, around June 5th, which may be due to magma movement or hydrothermal fluid movement, but could be formed avalanches or large mass movement, and the rest ended following an ice rock avalanche, and all is back to normal.
0: Okay, at Kilauea in Hawaii, there was a big show this month. Starting started out strong at the beginning of the month with some ground deformation, which was interpreted as magma movement, on June 6th. Starting from June 7th, incandescence was seen in webcams at the Halema-Uma'u Crater. All alert levels were raised to the max at this point, and the eruption progressed by starting to make small lava fountains within the crater floor. The first few days of the eruption had a really high effusion rate, um, and the lava lake got thickened by 6 meters adding a total of 1.5 square kilometers of material, which was notably um, also vesicle and gas-rich, and so then the crater actually went down again because everything degassed. Anyways, a small spatter cone was built by the lava fountaining, and the lava flow was then emitted from this cone. In the following days, the effusion rate started to slow down, and HVO uh, called it as an official end date on June 19th. The footage was really quite nice and had some really cool live streams and I personally recommend watching lava flow footage while doing your daily work, kind of like watching like one of those fireplaces, except for it's better, I recommend.
1: So additionally, uh, here in uh, USA there has been some possible eruptions picked up by hydroacoustic signals. Recalling that Haiyi is uh, underwater seamount, so we are relying on uh, signals from the nearby uh, Wake Island to tell if an eruption has occurred or not. But unfortunately, on June 24th, the sensor on Wake Island stopped transmitting. No signal, even by the still active sensors on Saipan during the week. Uh, The aviation code is yellow and the alert level is at advice.
0: Okay. So moving along to Asia, in the Philippines, it's been a pretty busy month, notably with Mayon, which is in the Luzon region. So since April, there's been some steady rock falls and a lava dome growing in the summit crater. On June 5th, the alert level was raised to 2 out of 5 with a 6-kilometer exclusion zone because the average number of rock falls per day went from 5 to 14. On June 7th, the lava dome extrusion at the summit crater had increased rapidly, leading to evacuations. On June 8th, the eruption started in earnest with three pyroclastic density currents, each lasting a few minutes and traveling up to two kilometers down from the Niisi, Bonga, and Basud drainages. The alert level was raised to three out of five and again with another six kilometer exclusion zone. The next few days, the eruption continued with increased rock falls and several pyroclastic density currents as well as steam and ash plumes with over 9,000 people evacuated. On June 11th, a lava flow then emerged with two 500-meter-long lobes and continuous rockfalls and pyroclastic density currents. Uh, By June 13th, over 14,000 people had been evacuated. By June 15th, the lava flows had progressed to a few kilometers from the crater. Rockfalls, pyroclastic density currents are continuing, and now we have asphalt that is reaching far away villages up to 36 kilometers away with over 20,000 people displaced. On June 26, Five Walks, which is the local observatory, noted that seismic activity and ground deformation is increasing. Notably, between 20, the 26th and 27th of June, there was 107 volcano tectonic earthquakes and accompanied by a sharp increase in ground tilt. By June 27th, there were reports of lava flows which were 1.6 um, to 1.3 kilometers long in the different drainage basins. And at this part, the alert level uh, is at 3 still. Airplanes are being asked to avoid flying close to the summit area and just this morning on July 3rd there was reports of a massive pyroclastic density flow current going over four kilometers from the crater. Definitely one to watch for. We are so thankful that so many people have made it safely and they've been safely evacuated but our hearts are with those people who are struggling with the effects of this eruption and hopefully it uh, does the things that it does and they're small and that everyone can get back
1: to life as normal. Um, also, I want to like to report in Luzon, Philippines. Bulusan uh, has had many volcano tectonic earthquakes uh, that have been detected with magnitude uh, between 1.8 and 2.7. The volcano also produce very minor steam and ash emission. The level remains at zero, but a four-kilometer exclusion zone has been introduced. And atal arrest has continued. On june second there was tremor along the Dan Castilla Fissure and upwelling seen the crater along with SO two emission three thousand tons per day above the average. Feevolk suggests this is f- from a new phase of magma degassing at depth, likely driving the hydrothermal activity. This activity has persisted for the rest of the month. On June 30th, uh, there were a few phreatic eruptions. The alert level remains at uh, 1 uh, on a scale uh, of 5, but the public is uh, reminded to stay out of the permanent danger zone.
0: At Merapi, the eruption has been ongoing with many up to 155 per week, lava avalanches from the dome throughout the month, traveling up to two kilometers from the summit crater. The dome has seen morphological changes due to these events. The alert level is a 3 out of 4, and there is an exclusion zone in place which varies from 3 to 7 kilometers, depending on where you are in relation to the volcano.
1: At Sumeru in Java, Indonesia, PVMBG, reports the eruption has continued with some steam and ash plumes throughout the month. Notably, on June 21st, there was a pyroclastic flow that traveled 5 kilometers down the southeast flank, accompanied by 1.5 total plume. Alert level is at 3 uh, in, on a scale of 4. Restriction zone of 5 kilometer is on, but is extended at 13 km in the sound sector, and people are asked to avoid the drainage uh, due to lahar avalanches and pyroclastic flow risk. Have you ever noticed, Corinne, that, I, I don't know, maybe it's just the case, but on the majority of the case, the worst flank of the volcano are always the south flat
0: okay this is actually an interesting question and we're gonna go on a tangent about it because i wonder if this is due to the sun because you know how like the south phasing things are always sunnier when you're in the north the north northern hemisphere i wonder if it has to do with that you're more likely to get flank instabilities it could be this is a tangent that you can keep or delete
1: does the sun now ask- That much influence in... The
0: sun has influence on your vegetation, right?
1: Yeah. Okay, I can see on the vegetation, but I don't know if on the stability of the flank is that determinant.
0: To be honest, I would actually assume it would be the other way around, because I would think if you have more plants, because more sunshine, you're going to have a better root system, Better root system.
1: Yeah, but also you don't have that much plants on top of a volcano in general, at least.
0: That's a really good point, and I had not
1: thought about that. But maybe on the very high volcano, when you have snow.
0: Oh, your snow is gonna melt primarily first on that side, and then you're gonna get deeper. Oh, that's smart.
1: I don't know. This is very high speculation. Maybe I have to do with water percolating in the in the. I have no idea. We are just uh, saying things right
0: yeah this is what happens when we re- record at almost 11 p.m on a Monday night
1: yeah yeah but I think it's nice to to keep these uh, speculations I don't know you
0: can keep it if you want I'm not <laughs> sure people will like it but if they don't they can complain to nobody anyways in Japan at the sacred GMA slash area volcano Uh, There's been activity from both the Showa and Mimadaki craters. Both have made several small plumes regularly throughout the month, and there's been elevated SO2 emissions. At Suonosajima, also in Japan, the Antaki crater has been busy with lots of incandescence, plumes up to 2 kilometers above the crater, and large bombs which have gone up to 400 meters from the crater, as seen throughout the month. Additionally, at Japan, at Kuchine Erobujima. Uh, there's been increased unrest starting from June 17th, with an increasing number of shallow volcanic earthquakes. The alert level at this volcano is 2. Uh,
1: we have also seen a relative volcanic activity this month from uh, uh, Lokon Empung in uh, Sulawesi, with small daily emission and some volcanic tectonic earthquakes, and at Krakatau in Sunda Strait with several small ash plumes and at Lewotolok in Limbat Island, with small ash plume and some strombolian activity at the summit as well, as well as activity from Karangetang in Sangile Island and Ibu in Almahera.
0: In Africa, we've had some low-level activity in the DRC from Nirogongo and Nirmuligira.
1: The alert level remains yellow at Popocatépetl in Mexico, where a 12km exclusion zone has been introduced. The volcano was really busy the last month, producing a lot of tremors, volcano tectonic earthquakes, and low and high frequency seismic events. The seismicity was accompanied by diffuse steam and gas emission, with occasional hush, as well as explosion. During the whole period the eruptive plume height rose up to a maximum of 2 km above the crater, this maximum has been reached on June 22nd, and the explosive activity often produced ballistic ejector, traveling as far as 2.5 km on June 15 and 1.5 km on June 22nd. Mohova, the volcano produced ashfall in the nearby villages. On May 31st, ashfall was recorded as far as 100 kilometer away from the crater. On average, was about 60 kilometer away during the whole week uh, of 14, 21st uh, of June, with a maximum of 66 kilometer away on June twenty.
0: El Ricon de la Vieja in Costa Rica, where our beloved new office mate comes from. And also, our favorite bird. And why not? Our favorite frog as well. Actually, this is an amazing script. Rijan de la Vija was quite busy. An increase in the eruptive activity has been observed on May 31st, mainly characterized by an almost daily phreatic explosion and low magnitude earthquakes. A smile pyroclastic flow was also produced on May 31st. Phreatic events produce plumes of variable height between 1 to 3.5 kilometers. Phreatic events produce plumes of variable height between 1 and 3.5 kilometers. On May 30th and June 21st, the water level at the crater dropped significantly. The alert level is quite currently high, as it is three out of four.
1: The alert level has risen to yellow this month at Tubingas in Peru. Uh, on June 22nd, a new eruption started after three days of increased seismicity and phreatic activity. A 1 kilometer tall ash plume opened a new eruptive period since then a lot of seismic events and ash plumes has been produced by volcano uh, and we will keep you of course updated on the developments
0: Daily admissions are going on at Cotopaxi in Ecuador as at Popocatepetl the eruptive activity produced ash falls in quite distal areas, up to 100 kilometers away from the vent. Tremors and gaseous and ash emissions were quite continuous along the month, with a maximum plume height of about 900 meters above the crater, reach on June 21st. A smaller harp has also been produced on June 8th. The alert level is currently at yellow.
1: Let's fly to Fuego. Well, fly in a figurative sense, we should not literally fly on fuego, being the volcano in Guatemala, quite active currently. The Liga's emission mission has been recorded along the month, accompanied by minor explosion, around 1 to 6 explosions per hour. This high-frequency explosion reminds us our closer friend, Stromboli, in Italy. Oh, Italy. What an amazing place. Olive oil, pizza, Mama Hetna. By the way, from June 21st, some changes has been detected in the hash plume composition. During the week uh, between the 21st and the 27th of June, the plume composition passed from a more dense cloud hash-rich to a gas-rich and more diffuse um, plume. During the activity, minor to moderate avalanches form on the volcano slopes, and minor hash flow reached the surrounding villages. We will keep you updated on Fuego.
0: Fuego was not the only busy volcano in Guatemala. The Caliente Dome at Santa Maria slash Santa Grita was also quite active. During the past month, the lava infusion continued with a lava flow forming on the west and southwest flanks. The main branch of the lava flow reached a length of about 4.3 kilometers. The dome collapsed, producing also avalanche and pyroclastic flows. On June 23rd, a lahar containing blocks as big as one meter in diameter descended the Rio Cabello del Angel River.
1: Also in South America, we have seen activity, as per usual, from Reventador, Ecuador, and Sanguei, uh, western Ecuador, who notably as a pyroclastic density current in the southeast flank, which travel up to 500 meters away. And also we saw activity from Sabancaya, who has caused the town Hukaluka to uplift a bit. And lastly, Nevado de Ruiz, uh, who has had a few plumes up to 4km above the vent. And an increased seismicity at uh, the middle of the month, which had dropped in the most recent week, causing the alert level to be lowered to yellow. Hi guys, uh, due to the small delay in episode publication, I briefly update you on the main things that happens during the first week of July. The principal event I would like to report regards the Reykjanes Peninsula, in Iceland, uh, where a new eruption started yesterday evening, on July 10th, in Fragadasfjall, just northwest of the sites interested by the previous eruption in 2021 and 2022. The area has been interested in an uplift since April. The rate of inflation was about 1 cm per month, and uh, the uplift reached 3 cm at the beginning of July. Over 1,000 earthquakes occur in June, but the seismic activity intensifies since July 4th, uh, with over 1,600 earthquakes just between the 4th and the 5th of July. In this seismic swarm, 7 earthquakes were over 40 magnitude. the largest one registered a magnitude of about 4.6. After this crisis, the aviation color code was raised to orange, and in the following days, thanks also to geodetic models, an eruption was highly expected to happen. Indeed, on June 10th, around 4.40pm, smoke started to appear on the northern slope of Littlarrut. The eruption started with the opening of a new fissure, followed by the opening of two additional fissures. The intensity of the eruption has decreased for the moment. The activity restart a Faganas fial less than one year after the previous one in 2022, just 323 days after. For the moment, the main hazards are related for the large amount of gas that can be harmful for people in the proximity of the eruption, and to the potential of the opening of new fissures in the area. For these reasons, the area is for the moment entirely closed to people. We will give you more details and updates on the eruptive activity in Iceland in next episode. Additional last-minute highlights came from Mayan, in the Philippines, where the activity is continuing with slow lava effusion and multiple rockfalls and pyroclastic density currents. Always in the Philippines, unrest is continuing at all, with daily earthquakes and tremors accompanied by steam and gas emissions. Since June 30th, uh, Eruptions stopped at Kilauea in Hawaii, and small phreatic events has been also reported at Rijón de la Vieja in Costa Rica at the beginning of July. And finally, I would like to underline high-level activity at Senge in Ecuador, with hundreds of explosions per day, up to 900. The incandescent material from the explosion traveled as far as 1.8 kilometers below the crater, but the alert level for the moment is still yellow. And that's all. Thank you for listening.
0: Okay, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to our sources, primarily VolcanoDiscovery.com and the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Program and the references therein and all the hard work that all the people at the observatories do. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for spending some of your time with us. I hope you're enjoying the episode.
0: Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) Alessandro, this is a great moment for the Oxford comma. Not that I think you need to add it to the podcast. Obviously, the like, grammar we use in the podcast is terrible. But can you just imagine how much easier it would have been if the Oxford Comma had been there?
1: What, what do you think about keeping all our conversation in the podcast?
0: Uh, I don't. Honestly, don't care. Maybe cut this part at least. But um, oh, This part is the best part. <laughs> the part of us debating whether or not to keep it in the podcast. Highway to the danger zone But no one should take the Highway to the danger zone Because it's very unsafe You could cut that